Welcome to Relationship Mastery, a podcast for those who want to learn how to master the art of creating happy, healthy, and loving relationships. Please join me, Dell Lady Jones, and my co-host, Barry Selby, each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for a lively and informative conversation on everything to do with relationships. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, so this week, we are going to be talking about... Um, how to move on after the loss of loss of a loved one. Last week we covered the grieving process and how to honor that process and, and not rush it and to just understand that it's not a linear um, thing that we go through. Sometimes we find ourselves going forward two steps and back one step or whatever that is. But um, for many people, um, you know, I, we got a call actually or a question rather from last week asking about when you've reached that stage where the grief isn't so overwhelming and and you're actually ready to sort of move on in life but you're but you're you've got some fear and you've got some guilt around doing that so this week we're going to talk about you know how to move on after the lo- loss of a loved one and mm-hmm. um i thought i'd start off by sharing a story about a family member i have that um that um was with his wife since he was 20 they were married for 30, 30 plus years. Um, she was 18 when they met. And um, she tragically died very suddenly from, from um, a, a terminal cancer. And it was very quick and unexpected. And he's been grieving now for quite a few years. And he's still very young. Um, I think it's about four, four, almost five years ago now. And um, he's still young. He would, it's a part of him that would love to, you know, he had an, a wonderful marriage. So he's, he's missing that beautiful relationship, that companionship. And he's considering moving on, but he is, he's wrapped with guilt. He feels that there's something in somehow he would be disrespecting his marriage um, um, if he was to move on and have another relationship. So I think that's a... Um, a common problem amongst a lot of people. So um, I know when the work that you do, Barry, I'm sure you've also come across that situation yourself. So what do you have to share about it? Well, first of all, um, for anybody listening or watching us who didn't watch last week's episode, please go back and listen to that because it talks about grief in a big way. It really is the, the foundation we're building on this week. So first of all, that's one little um, housekeeping reminder. But in terms of talking this conversation, I definitely agree with you that for many people, when they've lost their partner, especially if it's been over a, several years where they've had a long-term relationship, and the, especially if it's abrupt, I mean, not necessarily, over a long period of time is one thing, um, because oftentimes there's a chance to make peace and that sort of thing, which I'll talk about later, but that abrupt losing of their partner can be so destructive energetically to us that we can't feel we're safe to move on. Like somehow we've been, it's been like, I'm going to say another way, the feeling they've been stolen from us is almost like there's a feeling they might come back. So we don't want to put our energy in anywhere else. There's this feeling of like being pulled. Um, I ha- I, I'm one of the, um, I used some experts, that's what they call us, in a, in a very big Facebook group that's basically for widows and widowers, people who've gone through loss of a partner. And my, my, my friend who I work with, she has a widow herself. And the conversations about this moving on is a very, I would say provocative, but also a very challenging conversation for people because there are so many people saying, and it's the thing that happens, is saying, 
but I can't do that because of my, my partner. I was so in love with them that I'll never replace them. And there's all these sort of feelings that come up. And the challenge, and I'm going to say this carefully, because some people are going to be upset with me saying this, is they tend to edify their now deceased partner to a level that the person never achieved in life. Mm-hmm. And so they have this idolization of their ex-partner, their partner they've lost, that, they, that nobody can match up to. And it's almost a protection they use, a form of um, defense to defend why they won't go out with anybody else because nobody's going to match up to my beloved who I've lost, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so that can be one of those things that undermines people's willingness to move on. And, and I know you were showing me earlier about your, your phone member who's, whose kids actually saying, please move on. They want him to be happy again. And that's the thing. There are many people who have gone through this where they have a relative or, or children or friends who say, you know, move on, get, be happy again, meet somebody else, fall in love again. But the individual has such a, um, almost, it's like being locked in amber. You know, that whole thing about when you have those, those insects being locked in amber, it's like yeah. they're locked in time and they're not able to free themselves to move forward, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, I hadn't really looked at it that way. I mean, I know we I think we mentioned last week that some people don't move on, say, after the, you know, I I also have a family member that lost her daughter and, and, and it's tragic. And and I do believe mm-hmm. that, you know, and I have friends that, that have lost children and they somehow feel that it's being disloyal to that child to to move on and be happy in the world. And so I, I, I'm hearing that too. I, I, I'm hearing that that it's that it sometimes can be um, unknown to say a widower or widower that they don't know that they're actually holding themselves back. They, you know, grief is an acceptable, uh, or rather, sorry, um, uh, feelings of of not wanting to disrespect them, not wanting to dishonor their memory or anything like that. But also, I'm hearing also that there is a fear and it's used as a protective mechanism to keep them in the past. So that's a fascinating new look at that for me, for sure. Um, And also, I think think you're right. We do tend to sort of... um, I once had a a girlfriend who who once said to me that she would not go out with a widower. And I was like, why on earth wouldn't you go out with a widower? And she'd had a couple of experiences where she had and she felt that she could not live up to X. Yeah. And I I found that fascinating. And I thought, gosh, well, I certainly haven't had that experience, so I, I couldn't speak to it. But um, but also, um, you know, that that feeling of that you have this um what, what's the word I'm looking at? That bond or that unbreakable bond that you are being disloyal if you move on. And I'd love to talk about that a bit more because I know that it, it, the people that often want to uh, move on are the ones that have had the really wonderful marriages. They've had the great relationships. They're not burnt. They're not, da- you know, they don't see relationships as bad and they crave that and they're missing that in their life. So they're more likely to, to move on uh, into a new relationship. And sometimes they can do that a little too fast. And I I have adult friends that have been horrified at how fast, at fast, and it's usually the men more than the women, that the men have moved off, moved on rather, and brought a new person into their life when the children haven't finished grieving over the loss of their mother and all of a sudden they've got a stepmother six months later. 
or mm. something like that. So I'm sure you've come across that in your group as well. Yeah, well, the, the thing is actually the majority of members of the group are actually men. So there is this conversation comes up. But the thing, just to speak to what you just said, though, about the, the, whether, say, the children haven't gone through the grief process, I would strongly recommend, encourage, invite those uh, those um, parents who have gone through the loss of a partner before you even think about dating somebody else and you have kids is to have a conversation with the family. You need a family meeting at different points during the grief process because we talked about last week with grief, there are different parts of it, processes, it's all, it's all unscripted and it flows the way it flows. And so you may be a different place in grief than your children are or child. And then so to have a conversation with each other along the way as a support system, but also before you start dating somebody else, because ultimately if you're going to date somebody else and perhaps even marry them, your children need to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So definitely that, um, uh, I mean, normally when you break up somebody, you have the rebound idea, but from, from going, through, going through grief, it's not the same sort of thing, but it's the same sort of time frame mm-hmm. where there is that impatience or need, desire to fill the gap that you feel from the loss of that person with somebody else. It really is a um, artificial feeling. It's not really working ultimately. It's just a, it's a placeholder. And yes, I do, would, I, I don't have statistics to say that more men than women do this, but I would say if it is the case, if it is the case, is because men, as I've said before, I think in our conversations, are less emotionally available than women are. So when grief happens, we don't necessarily go as deep automatically as women can. And I'm using this as generality. Please don't shoot me down for saying this, but people are listening to this. Mm-hmm. But so the thing is for men is that we don't necessarily face all of the demons we've carried inside because of our wounding. So we want to cover it up with somebody else. And so, as we said last week, you've got to face the grief and you've got to walk through the steps to do the work to heal. And again, with family members, you need to keep a conversation going with each other because you're all going through grief. Mm-hmm. And it's important to have that communication going. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it if, if, if you <laughs> if you, if you <laughs> offend my feminist right. I'll, I'll, I'll hit the eject button. Um, no, it's, it's actually my uh, my therapist that said statistically that men oh. come faster than women. And um, living in such a small community as I do, where I know we know everybody, we all know each other very very well. Um, it it is quite clear to me that men um, do move on faster than than women. Often the women are focusing on raising the children, they're they're, their priority, and the men have time to to be dating. I'm not saying, usually it's it's usually not, um, women tend to have more custody of the children than the men do. It's it's not often 50-50. And Mm -hmm. um, especially if you've been a stay-at-home wife and, and mother, so you um, you are with your children more, and then maybe the children go every other weekend to the to the to the husband. So they have more time to date and be out there. But I also want to mention in this grieving, grieving the loss of a loved one, and moving on from a loved one, it's not again as we said last week, it's not necessarily just death. It can be divorce. If if the divorce has come as a shock to you, and you have in the, you are grieving the death of the person you thought you were married to. You're grieving yeah. the family unit. You're grieving many, many things. So um, <clears throat> I wanted to mention that. Um, but the, the thing is that also, you know, and again, actually I'm going to sound like a, um, you can shoot me now if you want to. But um, <laughs> a lot of men are used to being 
especially if they do, as, as I say, have a stay-at-home wife or stay-at-home mother, they're used to that somebody take running the home for them, the comfort, the taking care of things. And, mm-hmm. and they're used to that. And there's a big void in their life when they don't have that. And they often get into a very quick relationship to, to, to have somebody fulfill that role that they're, they're missing as well. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, just as you were saying that you need to talk with your children, it's the same thing if you've gone through a divorce and you bring in a new person straight away. It's, it's very damaging to the children. Um, I mean, I think there's a number of reasons why you should not introduce a new person in under a year. Number one is mm-hmm. your children um, don't need to keep meeting everybody you're dating. Um, exactly. I think, we, and and because some children get really attached, or some people are very um, defensive of their parent that that may have died or or been divorced or something, so it, it puts that child in a very difficult situation of having to accept a new person before they're ready. So I think there's nothing wrong with dating. You just don't need to involve your children. Make sure right. there's a long-term relationship, which I think you can't make that decision personally in, in under a year. I think you need to be with somebody a year to really, really know them before you commit to marriage. That's just my personal view. Um, so I think that, um, yes, again, date if you want, be discreet, and uh, don't rub your children's nose in it. <laughs> Bottom line. Yeah, to, to underscore that, um, I would say definitely, you know, I mean, it's true, was divorce or is grief, you know, from loss of life, is that you you want to keep, you don't want to bring anybody home that quickly. True. I don't know if a year, a year is naturally in the boundary, but certainly enough time. The challenge with going through grief versus divorce, and I'm, I'm separating these two for a reason, mm-hmm. is that with divorce, the other person is still around in, in the world, and they may see the kids at the same time. So there's some level of, you know, um, um, allocation of time between you and the New York's partner. But with, with loss of, when you lose your partner who's died, transitioned, then there isn't that other person around. So it can feel like there's a gap there. And yes, to to have your children be offered up to a new possible partner 16 times a year isn't healthy for them. And it definitely messes with them. In fact, so I've, I've seen it happen before where in some ways the children become the parent of the adult because the adult doesn't have the wherewithal to be mature enough to make decisions for the family they're like i gotta find somebody gotta find somebody and their children become like the mature part of the relationship saying whoa whoa hold your horses mm-hmm. yeah exactly so there's definitely that disruption so yeah it's true you definitely want to be taking your time yeah yeah no i mean that one year rule is, is it's not a rule it's just a suggestion and i suggest it because i you know i work with a lot of um you know, narcissistic relationships and sometimes that mm-hmm. wooing in the beginning can be incredibly seductive and they're the knight in shining armor and they're, they're the savior and the everything and you introduce them to your children and sometimes they can even seduce the children and everybody thinks everybody's great and then all of a sudden you see the true person and then that relationship falls apart or stays, which is even worse, and then the children are exposed to that. So I right. just my general rule is, What's the hurry? You know, <laughs> just you really get to see them long term before you commit to them. Um, right. And there was something else that you said about that um, the the grieving process. Oh, I know what it was. You said that you know in divorce sometimes. Well, you know what? Sometimes divorces um, again often the mothers are the ones that are with the children more. 
And sometimes the fathers do literally disappear. They just, mm -hmm. I know it from so many of my clients, their, their yeah. fathers abandoned them. They weren't there physically. They weren't there emotionally. You know, I had a client um, last week just say to me, you know, she, she said, I, I want to be over this, but I can't help but reflect and think how different my life would have been if my father had been in my in my life. You know, when he and her when he and her mother divorced when she was ten, you know, he just took off. He just absolutely didn't ever be in their life again. She was oh, in, yeah. you know, um, a couple of incredibly abusive relationships, and she was saying that she would have, you know, if he stuck around, that wouldn't have been like that. So. There's all types of grief, you know, the grieving of a loved one. It can be, mm -hmm. you know, not just, we're talking right now about, you know, the parents moving on after the loss of a loved one. But when sometimes the parent has to pick up, and it's not like they can say, well, you're, 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 I'll use the father in this case. It's not like well, your father died, so therefore he can't be here. They've then got to explain to their children why that father is absent. Mm -hmm. And they're struggling to do it all on their own then. And they don't even think. I had another friend that, that um, I remember her saying to me, um, I can't date because I have to raise my, my three sons. I, you know, and, and she'd been divorced for quite a while. And she said, I don't have time to date. I, I just need to take care of my sons. And I actually challenged her on it. And I just said, oh, it sounds like you're seeing that dating somebody will actually take away from you being a parent to your children, have you ever I, considered at this stage? You've you know you've you've been alone for a long time now. She was young and and you know very young. I mean in her thirties. And I said, have you considered possibly meeting somebody that could actually add to the, your life, add to your children's yeah. life? And it was so funny. I think within we were at USM at the time. <laughs> I remember exactly where it was. We were walking back from lunch, and she went, "Oh my god, I never thought of that." <laughs> and she herself up to dating, and she has been married for, oh, God, I can't even tell, but they've been together for, I don't know, 20 years now. Um, a wonderful man who has really added to the life of not only her life, but the life of her children. They, they adore him. And so, um, you know, there is that mindset. And I fell into that mindset. I was very, after my divorce, I was like, I've got to be there for my children. I can't, mm -hmm. you know, I can't date. I can't get into another relationship. And, you know, finally I did. And, and he has been an incredible role model to my children. They love and adore him. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's that sometimes we have that thinking that we're not even aware of. Right. That getting in another relationship will detract from my being a good mother or a good father. Yeah. We have this tendency, as I mentioned earlier, about that where we tend to put our ex, especially for somebody if they died, because because the thing is, if they, if the person has, has died, they won't change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, if you divorce somebody, they might change in some way, shape, or form. And so, what happens is we do we do tend to, um, let's use the term edify it, but it is that we do tend to raise that person up to a level they were never at in real life, which means that they become impossible to match yeah. with anybody else. And kids do the same thing. I mean, kids kids who lost a mother or their father can put that missing void person into a place of superiority that can't be matched. Yeah. And it can be really challenging. So it is, I won't say it's important to, but it's certainly advised to see the, to remember that person as they really are. Mm -hmm. As they could have been. Yeah. And it's a really hard place because it, it does make 
moving on just a little bit easier because it is that thing about you know as you said with especially with not as especially with but with mothers who are now alone because their father you know they're now widows raising the kids on their own that are doing so it can be very challenging because there is that fear factor and there's almost a feeling that comes up because the family's been reduced by one so say there's two kids so instead of being a family of four it's family of three and there can be um a fierceness that comes from the from the mother to protect those that family unit now and there's there's no desire to expand to include anybody else so there can be a sense of that protection rather than a um fear about dating it's more about you know protecting the family so again as i said earlier family conversations have the conversations talk to each other to understand each other to know where each other is because frankly that can actually orient the, the um newly single person to a new way of being in a relationship again with somebody else yeah you know this this, this idea of conversation and communication is so vital in this process yeah, I, you know, I've got two more shows for ideas when you were talking there. One coming up on abandonment, and the other one is about um, being that sort of helicopter parent, that parent mm. that gets into that sort of, you know, or what do they call it, the sort of mama bear. And because um, what can also happen, I'm, I'm not going to go down that road because I'm, I'm going to next week because it's, it's <laughs> about this, this conversation. I don't want to dive mm -hmm. into that. But um, I think the other thing I was going to say is that, um, ch you know, ch children, well, this is the, the abandonment thing, but we'll go deeper into it. But, you know, when, when a parent has died, whether it's the mother or the father, they mm -hmm. often experience that as abandonment. They don't, they don't understand the concept of death. It's still, you know, um, you know, um, but anyway, we'll go further into that. But it is challenging right. when, when, and that, and then that remaining parent stays, 